great example of letting happened almost six years ago. My dad died almost six years ago. I think it was on January the 12th. And he spent the last two years of his life in a nursing home and, excuse me, the last two weeks of his life in the nursing home. It was difficult, more difficult to put him in a nursing home than it was to bury him, for me anyway. And the day we transported him to the nursing home was a good day for him. He, he was thinking pretty well. We got to that nursing home and small little room and we had decorated it the very best that we could and uh, he got in the bed there and I was on one side and my brother and my mom were on the other and dad did this which meant dad wanted to pray and within two weeks of his death I saw a marvelous example of Christian maturity I saw a marvelous model for me and I saw a marvelous example of letting uh, when he did this, he prayed, Now, God, help me get accustomed to this new way of living. He let. In the midst of a place where he didn't want to be, he let. Since those almost six years have passed, many times that we sit around and talk about things that, that Dad said all of your all of it I, I need to shave probably <laughs> you know there's consequences to your choices and when you I had I had nine days of growth till yesterday and I shaved it all off because my wife wouldn't get close to me <laughs> there's consequences for your actions you know that don't you many times we've sit around and talked to, about some of the things that my dad would say. My dad had these little cl cliches he would say all the time, and as your dad did, I know. Well, my dad was trying to teach me the importance of emotional control, like maybe I would hit my thumb with a hammer. Dad would say, boy, grin and bear it. <laughs> say that all the time, about a lot of things. When difficult things many times happen in life, my dad would say, grin and bear it. When he was um, getting ready to exercise some corporal punishment on me, and he did, and I survived. Can you imagine that? No worse for the wear, moms and dads. Dad would say something that I didn't understand at all. He said, son, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And I didn't buy that a bit. until I had a boy, until I had a boy. Then the exercise of discipline and hurting that child, however that discipline may be carried out, is many times more painful on the parent than it is on the child. When my dad was trying to be able to teach me the importance of education, and I would bring home one of my many C's that I brought home on my report cards, my dad would say, son, you know what it means when you get a C? It said it means you're the best of the worst and the worst of the best. <laughs> he says, now you satisfied with that. 
My dad also had something that he told me quite often that I, I didn't even know it was biblical until I became a Christian and started to study and, and apply God's Word to my own life and try to learn how to teach it to other people. My dad told me, he said, Mark, your life is the sum total of the choices that you make. He said, don't ever forget, Mark, your life is the sum total of the choices that you make. Said it another way, he said, my life is determined by the choices that I make. George Jones wrote, anybody know who George Jones is? Can you talk about George Jones in church? Can you do that? George Jones, in March 6, 1999, um, ran his new Lexus right into a bridge right outside of Nashville. For those of you who don't know, George Jones is a country singer. George was country when country wasn't, was not cool. He's not a country singer. He's a country singer. All right? None of this rascal flats, Taylor Swift business. It's George Jones. And, and, and George sang about hard living and hard drinking. And he knew of which he sang about, of what he sang about. And he crashed that new Lexus right into a bridge right outside of Nashville, March 6, 1999, and came within about an inch of his life. And after he went through months of rehab, uh, the very first time that he went back into the studio to be able to record, he recorded a, a CD that was titled cold hard truth and the number one cut off of that CD was called choices and it was the first cut that he released after crashing into that bridge and by the way he was dead drunk when he did that uh, Karen can we hear the first cut after he crashed, first release after he uh, got out of rehab from being dead drunk and come within an inch of his life. When George recorded that, I don't think he knew that it was straight from Deuteronomy chapter 30. In fact, I'm pretty sure that he didn't. If you have your Bibles, would you open it to Deuteronomy chapter 30? The people of Israel about to enter the promised land that had been promised them by their Jehovah God. And the whole book of Deuteronomy is repeating the law for them before they get to ready to go into this land of milk and honey, this land that they hadn't earned, this, this land that, that they uh, were going to have prosperity like they'd never known before. God sees fit. In the whole book of Deuteronomy, Deutros means second, Namos means law. It's the second giving of the law. The Ten Commandments are repeated in Deuteronomy, just as they are in Exodus chapter 20, and many of the laws are repeated. It's like God says, before you go into this land of milk and honey, I've got to make sure you don't forget about me. And so it's all repetition of the law. So all through Deuteronomy from Deuteronomy chapter 5 and, and 6 where the law is, is repeated, uh, the Ten Commandments are repeated to all those s smaller laws that we don't even understand. Moses, speaking words of the Lord, has laid those out 
and now we reach the end of Deuteronomy in chapter 30. After laying out all the way God wants them to be able to live, 29 chapters doing that. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15, the Bible says these words. This is Moses speaking the words of the Lord. They didn't have a Bible back then. And he used men, prophets, to speak his word. That's why many times you will say, thus saith the Lord. A prophet will say that. So here's a prophet of the Lord speaking the words of the Lord. See, I, verse 15, Deuteronomy 30. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. 17. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, we could plant, we could plant right there for a little bit and preach for a while. If, if your heart turns away and are not obedient, obedience is not the issue, friends. Your heart is the issue. No one is disobedient until their heart turns away. That's why the Bible says, among all things, you must guard your heart. You, you know people today that are not walking with the Lord, and they did last year or two years ago or five or ten years ago, they were walking with the Lord. Now you have no clue where they are. What happened to them? Did they commit some great sin? No. Somewhere along the line, their heart turned away. Somewhere along the line, their heart turned. It's a heart issue, friends. And, and God says that right there. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you're crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. Isn't that beautiful? God says, I I've set before you, Mark. Life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life, Mark. Choose life. So that you and your children may live. And that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. Wow. For the Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Many things scream to us through this passage of Scripture. But you cannot avoid the fact that our choices matter. Moses, speaking the, word, says, speaking the words of the Lord, says, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Earlier, earlier on, he says, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. I set this before you. You cannot avoid the fact that in this passage of Scripture and throughout God's Word, God has laid before us that our choices matter. You only have to go 46 verses into this book to find that out. Only 46 verses into this book. And God says, you know, you can, you can eat from any tree you want except for that one tree. 
And if you even went one tree, there's going to be consequences for your actions. 46 verses into his word, and he tells me that my choices matter. And in fact, the primacy of choice is bookended in the Bible from the very start into the very end. Three verses from the end of God's word. Three verses from the end of God's word. He says, if you take anything from this word or if you add anything to this word, there will be consequences for that choice. And every place in between, as one old preacher said, all the way from generations to revolutions, everywhere in between, primacy of choice. Everywhere in between, the Bible screams to us that our choices matter. Now, we don't like that as humans. It's part of the human condition to avoid the fact that our choices matter. We scream for our freedom. I want my freedom, but I don't want the responsibility that comes with that freedom. But I don't want to be able to accept the consequences that come from that freedom. So we say all kinds of things like, well, what will be, will be. Well, that might be a nice little saying, but it's not scriptural. What will be, will be in my life because of the choices that I have made. And then we get all super-duper spiritual. And we even blame it on God. And we say things like, well, everything happens for a reason. And usually I'm trying to excuse my bad choice by saying that. We don't want the consequences for our choice, choices in life. You see, my life is determined by the choices that I make. Now, some of you right now, under the sound of my voice, you're saying, well, there are things in my life that my choice didn't determine that. Some of you have had some very bad things done to you. Some people have done some very bad things to you. It was not your choice. And I would not at all put down the importance of that. But I will say, on the authority of God's word, that no matter what someone else has done to you, no matter what evil someone else may have done to you, you now have the choice on how you're going to deal with it. Are you going to waller? You know what waller means? That's a Kentucky. <laughs> That's a briar word, isn't it? Are you going to waller around in that? Or are you going to make a positive choice on how to be able to deal with that? People in this church have gone through unspeakable tragedy. And they've responded well, they've made good choices, and they've gone on with their life. And they're not allowing that tragedy to forever mark them in their life. I would imagine there are some other people that have gone through similar tragedy in their life. But for whatever reason... They can't get through it. They have not decided to be able, been able to let, to allow the grace of God to be able to heal, 
to be able to take them from that situation. They have not made that choice. You see, friends, my life is determined by the choices that I make. My life is a sum total of the choices that I've made. Your life equals choice plus 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 choice through all the tens of thousands of a hundred of thousands of choices you'll make in your life equals what you got. Equal where you're at right now. Now, some of you are going to get real spiritual on me and say, no, my life is determined by God. Well, if that's true, it's only because you made that choice. And I don't know about your Christian life, but I find out that I have to make that choice to allow Jesus to be the Lord of my life on a daily basis. A daily basis of letting. We don't like this truth because we'd rather go on the afternoon talk shows and talk about how much of a victim we are. And I am the way that I am because my grandmother spanked me one day. <laughs> or my uncle was a horse thief, and so I've been really messed up. We like to point the fingers and blame it on everybody else. And husbands like to blame wives, and wives like to blame husbands. And parents like to blame kids, and kids like to blame parents. Employers like to blame employees, and employees like to blame employers. Republicans like to blame Democrats, and Democrats like to blame Republicans. <laughs> pastors like to blame churches, and churches like to blame pastors. Quarterbacks like to blame wide receivers, <laughs> and wide receivers like to blame quarterbacks. Center fielders like to blame the sun, the wet grass. I thought you had it. And everybody likes to blame the referees. We don't like to point the finger right back where it belongs. I don't know about you. Maybe your experience is different than mine. But about 95% 95 of the trouble that I've ever got myself into in my life has been my fault. Has been a poor choice that I made. If I could ever get my basketball players, in 14 years of coaching basketball, if I could ever get my basketball players to accept responsibility for their own choice, responsibility for their own mistake, responsibility for that turnover themselves, instead of saying this or doing that, we were getting close to becoming a team. Because you'll never be a team as long as you're blaming other people. But when you understand the importance of personal responsibility and can say, my bad, my fault, you have taken several steps to becoming a team. Now, this not accepting personal responsibility, it's, it, it runs deep in us, and we got it from our first mom and dad. When when Adam and Eve took of the fruit that they shouldn't have taken of, eaten of the tree that they should not have eaten of, God goes to Adam and says, what's up? And what does Adam say? Adam says, 
I'm sorry, I confess my sin to the Lord. It was my fault. Is that what he said? He says, um, this woman, <laughs> you know, God, I was doing pretty well without her. <laughs> it really wasn't my idea to begin with, to be quite honest with you. I didn't think I needed a woman. <laughs> this woman. You can, you can read it. It's right, it's right there in, in Genesis chapter 3. It, it runs deep in us. This inability to take responsibility for our actions and our choices runs deep in us. Adam says, it's this woman. And then he goes a little farther, doesn't he? He says, it's this woman that you gave me. It's really your fault. The temperament that I have, it's your fault. The way that I am, it's your fault. We still do that today. And then, he, then, then God says, I didn't do any good there. I'll let me go to eat. And... and Eve doesn't do any better. Eve does her best Flip Wilson interpretation. You remember Flip Wilson? I'm dating myself now. We used to have things on TV called variety shows, variety hours. Flip Wilson and Carol Burnett. Flip Wilson had a character. He put on a wig. Who remembers Geraldine? <laughs> Jerry, you're old enough to remember Geraldine. I know you are. Jeremy, you have no clue what I'm talking about, do you? He used to put on wig, prance around, play a pretty good woman, and he'd go around saying, the devil made me do it. <laughs> and that's what Eve does. Eve says, the serpent tricked me. The devil made me do it. I don't see one passage of Scripture where the devil makes us do anything. He lies to us, and then we have the choice whether to believe him or believe God. It's the only weapon he has. He lies. And then we have a choice. Am I going to believe the lie or I'm going to believe the truth. This desire in my heart to point the finger somewhere else and not point it right back to me is part of the human condition. And I think one thing God is trying to be able to get us to do as he grows us up in him is to be able to take responsibility for the choices that we make and for us to understand that our Choices matter. Large ones and small ones. They matter. Now, usually when you hear something like this, where he's talking about, well, the, the bad choices matter. Well, not, no, I'm not just talking about the bad choices. The good choices matter. There, there is a law that God has put into this world. And that law says that what you sow, you will eventually reap. And preachers usually preach that in a negative way. But if you look at the context of that in Galatians 6, that's a positive thing. If you will sow good seed, if you will make good decisions, if you will make good spiritual decisions, you will reap good things from that. 
the, the, the Jones song is, is rather, rather fatalistic. I'm living and dying with the choices that I've made. Nothing I can do about it. I'm living and dying with the choices that I make. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. It's not that much harder to make a good choice than it is to make a bad one. It's not that much harder to make a good choice than it is to make a bad one. And if I will, st I don't care what's going on in my life before January 2nd, 2011. I don't care what kind of string of bad choices. I don't care what kind of trail of bad choices that I've left for X amount of years of living, if I today start making good choices, I will start reaping good things in 2011. I don't care what's going on. We've got families that are, counselors call it generational sin. We have families that have, that, that, that have, they're in a cycle of divorce. We have families that, that are in a cycle of unbelief. We have families that are in a cycle of abuse. I'm a foster parent. I know. You see the same families over and over again, and you see their kids and their grandkids. They're cycles. And I just want to stand up and shout, break the cycle. Somebody break the cycle. By the grace of God, stand up, make a choice, and break the cycle. You are not bound to that type of life. That doesn't mean it's easy. That doesn't mean you won't need support, guidance, counseling through that. But by the grace of God, God, we are not bound. We are not bound to what has happened 10, 15, 20, 40, and 50 years before us. We can be able to stand up and we can make the choice. I'm, I'm a lousy counselor. Lousy. Because I just want to say, stop it. Stop it. Why do you do that to yourself? Why do you sabotage yourself that way? Stop it. Make the choice. when you start making good choices. Good choices. Good choices. You'll start reaping good things. And cycles that have been in families for years will be broken. My mom and dad were the first Christians in our family. Oh, there were church-going people in our family. Good people in our family. But church-going people in our family. My mom and dad, in September of 1956, broke the cycle of unbelief. They broke it. They passed it down to my brother and me. Now it's up to us. Will we pass it down and allow this new cycle of good things to continue to be reaped in the Atherton family? Well, Mark, this is a pretty humanistic message. Where's God in all this, Mark? Well, I, I, I appreciate more than you can know if you were asking that question in your mind. God is right in the passage. Did you hear it? He's right there. 
This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. God is not some deist in the sky who has spun this world into existence and now is wondering what we're going to do. He's not some God in the sky that, that some, some way created this world and now is just saying, well, I wonder what she's going to do. I wonder what she's going to do. It didn't really make a whole lot of difference to me what they do. I just kind of started this world off. Now choose life. Come on, child. I've set before you life and I've set before you death. I've set before you blessings and I've set before you curses. Come on, child. Now choose Can I tell you something? They used to make old Nazarenes run the aisle. God is pulling for you. He's pulling for you. He will not pull you across the line of decision, but he'll set the table for you. That's what we call theologically provenient grace. He'll put friends in your life. He'll put situations in your life. He'll put churches in your life. He'll put preachers in your life. He'll put the Bible in your life. He'll put truth in your life. In all of that, he's saying, come on, Mark. Come on, Mark. Choose life. The God of the universe that said, thus far shall the oceans come and no farther. That God is pulling for you. He's setting a table for you. He's doing every single thing he possibly can to get you to that line of decision and wanting to know, will you then step across that line and make that choice? The Bible is filled with pictures of God. Filled with pictures of God that illustrate who he is and how he thinks and what he says. You remember the little kid in Sunday school, little girl that was drawing a picture, and the Sunday school teacher said, well, what are you drawing? She said, I'm drawing a picture of God. Sunday school teacher said, well, nobody knows what God looks like. She said, well, they will when I get done. <laughs> Here's what God looks like. Choose life. Choose life. It's the best picture of God that I can imagine. He's saying to you and saying to me, choose life. I've laid it right before you. Here it is. Life and death, blessings and curses. Come on, child. Choose life. What a picture of the loving nature Father God, of a Father God who says, choose life. During the next several weeks, we're going to talk about different choices that we have. Many of them come to us on a daily basis. And we're going to talk about what God's Word says about that choice, that choice that I had. But I had to be able to start it off today explaining to you the primacy of free will, the primacy of choice that God has laid this down for us. What an unbelievable privilege he's given me.
with the ability to choose. How he's honored me above all creation by giving me the ability to choose. And why did he give me the ability to choose? It's because he wants to have a relationship with me. And for a relationship to be genuine, most, both parties must come to that relationship of their own free will. Any other way, it's a contrived relationship. It's not legitimate. I suppose I could give my wife a pill and she, because of ingesting that pill, she would just love me <laughs> and make my hamburgers the exact way I want, <laughs> fold my clothes and put them in the right drawer. She would just do everything perfect because I gave her that pill. But that relationship would get old for me because she's not coming to me of her own free will. I don't know what choices you're facing this year. I don't know what choices you're facing tomorrow. You're going to face a lot of them this week, this month, this year. And all of those choices, would you let? Would you let? And would you know that you have a Father God that's pulling for you in whatever choice you have. He's saying, choose life. Choose life. Don't choose death. Don't choose curses. Choose blessing. Choose life. Would you stand with me, please? Just in this moment of quiet, I don't know what God has tapped on your back about, but if you're truly a sensitive person and spiritually sensitive person, he's talked to you this morning about something. And just right now, in just this next minute, you need to talk to him about a choice or choices or something that has something to do with what his word has been trying to be able to say today. Father, right now, I just pray for your people that they would be sensitive to you right now and would understand that your truth demands a response. I don't know what that response may be for you right now. Would you talk to the Father about that? Talk to the one who's pulling for you. One who says, child, choose life.
to let. And when that resolve leaves and wants to go somewhere else and we're losing whatever determination that we have, may we know that you are a God that's up there pulling for us. And we simply need to say, let. Help us in the decisions large and small. May we choose life. Help us in the decisions large and small this week. May we let. We pray these things.